630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. It is tight at the top of the Pacific Division. Arizona and Vegas both with 54 points. Edmonton and Calgary both with 53 points. Arizona is playing tonight late in the first period. They trail Carolina. One nothing. The Oilers and Flames will square off tomorrow. It's right here on 6.30, Chad, with the face-off show at 6.30. The game will start at 8, second battle of Alberta this season. The Oilers flat-out stunk in the first one on December 27th. They are looking good lately, now 4-0-1 in their last five games. Vegas will play against the Columbus Blue Jackets tomorrow. And don't forget about Vancouver. They are hanging around as well. They have 50 points, so three behind Edmonton, four off the division lead. They play Buffalo tomorrow going to be a uh, I think a pretty fun finish to the season here for the Oilers and their fans probably going to be pretty tense probably frustrating at times but they are indeed in the race and hopefully they can stay there Red Wings leading the Senators one nothing late in the first later the Penguins take on the Avalanche trade deadline in the Western Hockey League the Edmonton Oil Kings did not make any deals they are about to face off in Saskatoon against the Blades 780-496-0063 is the number to both call and text. My name is Reed Wilkins. This is Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 630 Chad. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's very cold. It's, what is it, minus 18 or something is the official temperature. This just, you know, I'm, I'm getting through it. It's, uh, it's difficult. you got to be careful driving. Hopefully you're always careful driving, but especially when it's a little slick out there. It just makes me realize, Kellen, the first Friday night of nice weather, we got to take the show out to the Stony Plain Lions RV Park and Campground and enjoy a nice Friday night. Oh, cool. I'll bring the marshmallow. That's where we're going. We're going to the Stony Plain Lions RV Park and Campground. And uh, first uh, first nice Friday night, we're going to have a, yeah, we'll bring we'll bring some marshmallows Get some we'll smithers. get a fire going, and uh, we'll do the show, you know, fireside, enjoy some sunshine. That's So everybody, that's how I want you to get through the cold. Thinking about that special Friday night to come at the Stony Plain Lions RV Park and Campground. All right, we have a lot to get to tonight. Theo Fleury will be on the show in about half an hour, between 6.30 and 7. Theo Fleury, of course, part of the Battle of Alberta, continuing to work with a lot of people. He has a special event coming up in Kelowna this weekend. Theo Fleury, five foot six, about the same height as Kyler Yamamoto, who's been uh, pretty good for the Oilers so far over the last uh, five games. So we'll talk about how, how to be successful and impactful as a uh, small player in the National Hockey League. Quick card Edmonton Minor Hockey Week is underway. Our own Shea Gannam is coaching he's going to check in tonight the latest on free footy from tim adams founder and director of free footy incredible organization he helps so many kids with that and uh hold on to your horses kellen and if you here's the thing if you don't have a horse you have 90 minutes to acquire one so you can't hold on to it hold on to your horses between 7 30 and 8 u of a basketball coaching legend and one of the most entertaining and informative interview subjects of all time, Don Horwood, is going to be on the show tonight, who did a lot for U of A basketball, for the U of A athletic program in general, enjoying his retirement in Victoria. Last night, 
Don was surpassed as the winningest coach in men's uh, Canada West men's basketball history by Kevin Hansen of uh, of UBC. So uh, I've served uh, Don, who I believe he would have coached. He might he might have coached against Kevin not just as a coach but as a player as well. Uh, so he'll uh, and I don't know where we're going to go with that with Don. We just tend to get going. There are few better storytellers in the history of our fine city. So it'll be awesome to catch up with Don. So. Here's what's going on with the Oilers. Uh, obviously, uh, a long flight from Montreal to Calgary. They uh, had an optional practice this afternoon. Mike Smith has been really good on this road trip. He's played all four games to this point. He's gone 3-0-1. His save percentage is 926. But Dave Tippett, what about tomorrow, man? Well, Schmitty's played real well here lately, right? But we're, it's like we've, we've said all along, we're going to give us, uh, put the guy in that gives us the best chance to win that night, and we feel very confident, both guys. And then Tippett was asked, but, but Dave, Mike Smith played for Calgary the last couple of years. What if Smith came to you and said, Tip, I want this game. He comes to me every game and said, I want this game. So it's, <laughs> it would be just normal. Koski wants to play too. Like Every player wants to play every game. Right? But yeah, you understand the relevance of it. But we're going to, uh, we'll go through it with Schwartzy today and figure out where we're at. And, and the guy that will play tomorrow will be uh, the guy that thinks gives us the best chance to win. And schmidt has been really good lately, but... Uh, yeah, we'll just see. I think they're finally going to get Koskinen back in there. He hasn't played since December 31st. Most of, Well, the first part of the season, they went two games on, two games off for each goaltender. Koskinen got the bulk of the starts as we got into December because Smith, quite frankly, wasn't playing well enough. Koskinen a little ill at the start of this road trip. Smith went in against Buffalo. A lot of you were nervous. He's done fine. Uh, and I, I will say this, I think overall I, I would give the Oilers goaltending a passing grade for the season. There there haven't been very many games where they've lost and you've said the primary reason was the goaltending. I can think of a couple off the top of my head. There's a few where maybe the goaltending didn't help, but I think overall it's been a positive so far for the Oilers this season. Matt Benning, of course, has joined the team on the road trip. When will he return? He's been a solid player when he's been in there, but he's missed a, a fair amount of time here. He's back with our team skating. I don't anticipate him coming back before the uh, before the break that we have, uh, the All-Star break. So uh, he continues to skate, continues to uh, improve, but uh, his status is... Not day-to-day yet. We'll, uh, I don't think you'll see him till after the break. All right, so Matt Benning uh, after the break. So the Oilers play tomorrow. They play Tuesday. Then they have a matinee next Saturday. Schedule really spaced out. Well, spread out, I guess. I'm spaced out. The schedule spread out. Uh, so the Oilers play the January 18th. Then they don't play again until January 29th against the Flames. So maybe Matt Benning comes back on Wednesday, January the 29th, as he's been uh, getting over that concussion. Been a tough year injury-wise for Matt Benning. I think the the best defense that the Oilers can deploy is Clefbaum, Larson, Nurse Bear, and Chris Russell and Matt Benning. Caleb Jones, William Lagason in that sixth defenseman role the last few games. A lot of nights they've been under 10 minutes a game. So they've kind of been going with five and a half defensemen. I think the Benning would likely play a little bit more, maybe get up around 13, 14 minutes. And, uh, and has a little bit more experience than Jones and Lagason. So that's how I look at that. The Oilers were not very strong through two periods last night. Did not have a lot of scoring chances. And they got a power play early in the third period. Nugent Hopkins takes advantage off the passes from McDavid and Dreisaitl. And then they pretty much took over the game from there. So 
not a great formula for the Oilers last night, but another two points in the bank that, that puts them further ahead of some few teams and keeps them right in that fight for first place in the Pacific Division. I think he, here's what I, I hope happens, and I'm, and I'm basing this on previous seasons. And uh, as, as you all know, only once in the last 13 years have the Oilers been in a position where they've kind of been you know, can more or less control their own destiny for a playoff spot as we move into January and February. They have had a couple, they did have a couple years during the decade of darkness where they, they flirted with a playoff spot. Um, but as, as we move into later in February, into March, and I even think we saw it from the Montreal Canadiens last night, you start to see the teams who are seven, eight, nine points out of a playoff spot, frustration, resignation, I think starts to set in a little bit. And what, what did we see? Let's just look at the Oilers last season. So they, they had a 7-2-2 two two run in February. They were seven points out when they started that run. They were still seven points out after going 7-2-2. Two two. They passed a team or two, never really got closer to the playoff cut line. So it's, it's pretty tough. And then what do you start to see? Well, maybe somebody's traded away at the deadline for a draft pick. Maybe a, you know, a guy from the farm is called up. When the Oilers made the playoffs in 17, they went 12-2 and in their last 14 games. Well, they got to play Vancouver a couple times down the stretch. They played Los Angeles three times, one, two of the three. So that's the advantage to being in a playoff spot. You strengthen your roster instead of diminishing it. Look at the Oilers' roster for their last game of the season last year against Calgary. I mean, there are a lot of those players that aren't on the team now or aren't even in the NHL now. Because as the Oilers got to be and also ran as the season went on, it, they just, you know, you're not icing an NHL roster. You're, you're looking at some minor league guys. You know, they really only had one goalie after Talbot was traded for Stolers. So hopefully the Oilers stay in this fight, and then maybe as they go along, they get to take advantage of some teams who aren't in the fight. That's how I look at it anyway. Uh, this is a bit of a interesting day. I just want to uh, quickly get to this. January 10th. January 10th, 2006, this, this, is, uh, this is kind of a bad stat, I guess. It shows you how tough it's been for the Oilers. But January 10th, 2006 was the last time the Oilers beat the Pittsburgh Penguins in regulation time. They have beat them a couple times in overtime and, and shootouts since then. But generally, the Penguins have dominated the, the head-to-head matchup between the two teams. Pittsburgh won at Rogers Place before Christmas. Edmonton did have the win in Pittsburgh on November 2nd when Mike Smith was brilliant and stole the game in overtime, but the Penguins still got a point. So November 10th, 2006 was the last time the Penguins played the Oilers and didn't get something out of the game. And it was after that game, their then head coach, Michelle Therrien, delivered this memorable rant. Are we going to be happy to, to play eight minutes? I'm not going to be happy to play eight minutes. But those guys will say if we take 40% of their salary because they only play, or 50% of their salary because we, they only play for 50, 50% of the time. That's enough. That defensive squad, you know, this, I think their goal, I, I really start to believe their goals is to be the worst defensive squad in the league. And they're doing such a great job to be the worst defensive squad in the league. They're, they're they turn the puck over, you know, they have no vision. They soft like I never see a bunch of defensemen soft like this. There's a lot of guys don't care. They pretend to care, but I know they don't care. Is that what Michelle Terran is most remembered for as a head coach? 
Uh, anyway, that was uh, this day. But that was 14 years ago already. I got a text here from Alice to 780-496-0063. She says, just wondering why is it that the Oilers seem incapable of carrying forward their momentum from a big win like the one against Toronto to match against a struggling team like Montreal? If it was any other team, they would have put away the game in the first period against the Oilers. This seems like a uniquely Oilers problem. Why is that? Do you think they party after a couple of big wins? Uh, well, no, I don't, though I'm sure there are times throughout the season they take the opportunity to enjoy themselves. Alice, I, I, Alice, I just want you to listen carefully to, to something I'm going to tell you here. It is, it is not a uniquely Oilers problem. It is a problem of teams that are good but not great. And I put the Oilers as a good team this year. And you know what? There are a lot of teams in the NHL that are, you know, kind of good. They're maybe a little bit above average, average or a little bit below. I don't think there's a lot of difference between the team that's eighth overall and the team that's about 21st or 22nd overall. Over the course of a season, it might be a win a month. You know, it might be a hot goaltender, might be having good special teams. Alice, I want to tell you this. Last night, the Los Angeles Kings, one of the worst teams in the league, beat the Vegas Golden Knights 5-2. It was 4-0 for Los Angeles after the first period. And earlier this year, the LA Kings beat the Edmonton Oilers pretty bad. Earlier this year, the Detroit Red Wings beat the Edmonton Oilers. Earlier this year, the Detroit Red Wings, who are on pace to have one of the worst records this century, beat the Boston Bruins. So it happens. The Oilers played a really good game in Boston. They played a really good game in Toronto. But they're not a great team. So they, they don't replicate that performance night after night like Boston might usually be able to, like St. Louis might usually be able to, like Tampa Bay is now doing, having won nine in a row. So, Alice, I reject the notion that this is a uniquely Oilers problem. This is a problem that good, average, slightly above average teams in the NHL have. A lot of music fans in mourning today. Neil Pert, the drummer and lyricist from Rush, passing away at the age of 67 after battling brain cancer for the last three and a half years. Definitely a uh, legendary band, legendary Canadian band, and Neil Pert will be missed. To all the Rush fans out there, to all the music fans, uh, our condolences today for sure. Kellen, thanks for playing that, buddy. Maybe we'll mix in some more Rush as we move on Absolutely, throughout the show. Absolutely, as the night goes on. Thanks for doing that. All right, uh, NFL playoffs are this weekend. Oh, i got to get to this. Did you see this story out of uh, Green Bay about the, the shovels, Kellen? No. All right, so Green Bay is expecting 8 to 10 inches of, sh- of snow Saturday night into Sunday morning. So okay. that's, what, about 20, 20 to 30 centimeters, roughly. So they're going to have a good dump of snow in Green Bay. So, the Green Bay Packers are putting out the call for volunteers to help shovel Lambeau Field. (laughs) Isn't that something? The Packers are asking for as many as 700 shovelers. I'm just reading this off a news story. The Packers are asking for as many as 700 shovelers to assist with the process beginning at 6 in the morning on Sunday. This is off the team's official website. Shovelers might be a better name for a team than Packers, by the way. 
well, they're actually getting paid 12 bucks an hour. Don't worry about bringing your own equipment. The team will provide shovels. <laughs> Just in case that wasn't clear. So isn't that cool? They're going to get snow, and they're asking the fans, come shovel the field. Uh, that's pretty cool. What else do we have this weekend? I, I, so I looked up the weather for all the games. Minnesota at San Francisco tomorrow going to be about, I, I had to convert everything to Celsius. Fahrenheit numbers mean nothing to me. Right, yeah. Uh, it was a, what's freezing? Is it 32 or 37? I'm not it's sure. One of the, it's one of the two it's in Celsius. Two, yeah. Minnesota at San Francisco, it's going to be 13. Okay. Tennessee, Baltimore tomorrow night, 15. Might rain during nice. that game. Okay. Houston, Kansas City, minus one Celsius. Yeah. And then Seattle, Green Bay, minus six. I don't think it's going to snow during the game, but they'll have all the snow uh, stacked up off the side of the field from the shoveling. Green Bay and San Francisco have played some uh, epic games, NFC Championship game. Seahawks, a big comeback, won it in overtime a few years ago, the year they went on to, uh, I think that was the year they went on to lose the Super Bowl uh, on the interception to the Patriots. They had that fail Mary game with the replacement refs in the regular season. And, uh, oh, yeah, a wild card game in Green Bay, January 4th, 2004. What do you call? I'd like to call heads. Heads is called. <laughs> Look at him, he's laughing. Seattle's won the toss. We want to so. ball. We're going to score. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. They're coming. The pass is picked off. Intercepted. Back the other way. The Green Bay Packers advance. Touchdown, Al Harris. Joe Buck, the call on Fox, January 4th, 2004. Matt Hasselbeck, remember him, the quarterback for the Seahawks. They won the toss in overtime. And this was true sudden death at the time. This was a field goal would win the game. Not the rules now where if the team goes first and kicks a field goal, uh, that the other team still gets the ball. But one thing, I don't know if you remember this, Kellen, that was actually the third possession of overtime. Oh, yeah. Seattle went, punted, three and out. Green Bay went three and out and punted back to Seattle. Then it was the pick six to to win the game. But part of the, the, uh, the lore between those two teams. Uh, Vic says Green Bay asks for shovelers every time there's a snowfall. They will be turning people away. That's pretty cool. And, yes, thanks to uh, Richard and another texter reminding me that 32 Fahrenheit is freezing. I okay, did not, there we go. I did not grow up under any sort of Fahrenheit, I guess the imperial system. Yeah, was imperial it, versus it was, metric, was imperial yeah. just for measurements? Is imperial just feet and inches? And then the temperature is the, the Fahrenheit Celsius I mean, thing. I don't uh, even know that. I thought Imperial was all about building a Death Star. That's it. <laughs> Bonus points for a Star Wars reference, Kellen Kennedy. Yes. Theo Fleury. We'll chat about the Battle of Alberta. We'll chat about making an impact as a smaller player. We'll let you know who he's helping out these days. You know, Theo's had a bit of a rough time in his life. Now he's trying to help some others. Going through some downtimes too. This portion of the show presented by Furnace Family. Experience the Furnace Family difference. Your furnace replacement specialist with over 500 five-star Google reviews. Call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. in a 
It's three minutes left in the first period. The Oil Kings did not make any moves today prior to the trade deadline in the National Hockey League. Game of note for the Oilers, Arizona trailing Carolina 1-0 early in the second period. Again, those Pacific Division standings, Arizona and Vegas 54 points. Arizona has played 46 games, Vegas 47. Edmonton and Calgary have both played 46 games. They have 53 points apiece. They play tomorrow, and of course we have it for you on 6.30, Chad, with the face-off show at 6.30 and the game at 8. The Red Wings still up 1-0 on the Senators. That's into the second period. Tyler Bertuzzi has his 16th of the season for the Wings and a game starting in about half an hour. Good matchup. Penguins taking on the Avalanche. Well, it is always a pleasure to have this gentleman on the show. He is uh, a man you love to hate when he played for the Calgary Flames. Uh, and I think uh, as his post-hockey career has gone on, he's earned the respect of a lot of you as well. Please welcome to Inside Sports, Theo Fleury. Theo, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm doing very well. Happy New Year. It's good to have you on the show. I know we uh, ran into each other briefly the morning of the last Battle of Alberta on December 27th. Well, I guess it wasn't much of a battle. That was, uh, I guess, depending on who you cheer for, it was either a really good game by the Flames or an awful game by the Edmonton Oilers. <laughs> well, I, it, was a, it was a pillow fight is what it was, but... Uh... Yeah, I thought the Flames played okay. The Oilers weren't good at all, but uh, so uh, tomorrow night's game, it's set up for you know a battle of Alberta. But uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll see what happens. You have a you know you have a five-one game between these two teams, and it kind of just sort of faded off into the sunset, probably in the era you played. There might have been a little more activity in the third period. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, I think there probably would have been about, about two guys on each bench by the time that one ended. But, uh, you know, it's, it's obviously the, you know, the game has changed a lot. And, uh, you know, so is the rivalry, you know. I think this is the first time in, what, 29 years that, both teams are actually in a playoff position and, uh, you know, have maybe might have an opportunity to play against each other in the playoffs this year. So, uh, so yeah, like I said, tomorrow night's game uh, is set up for, you know, probably, you know, the biggest game in the Battle of Alberta in probably 30 years. Yeah, there's it's been a while since... Well, there were a couple of years they were close in the standings, but they were you know, five from the bottom in the NHL. And uh, in a lot of the years, Calgary made the playoffs and Edmonton didn't. So it's nice. It's a, it's a little more significant. What do you remember most about the lead-up to these games? Like, were you one of these guys when you first saw the schedule, you would look for for Edmonton-Calgary, or would you kind of just sort of roll with it when it came up in the schedule? What was the anticipation like as a player? Well... If you didn't play well against the Oilers, you were getting a one-way ticket back to Salt Lake City. So, um, you know, of course, early on in my career, you know, those were those games were definitely circled on the calendar. And uh, but, you know, as time went on, and you know, you're exposed to more of those games. You know, it ends up being another game. But obviously, I think um, game like when the game approached, you know, like say the night before, yeah, you started to get nervous and anxious. And uh, obviously we're looking forward to, you know, participating in that, uh, in that battle. And, 
you know, uh, they were fun games to play in. Uh, if you were an NHL player, those are the kind of games that you wanted to play in. Uh, and, uh, you know, obviously for myself, um, you know, I realized early on in my career, if I didn't play well against the Edmonton Oilers, I probably wasn't going to be a Calgary Flame for very long. And so, you know, you you paid a little bit extra special attention to detail and how you prepared and and uh, and whatnot because he knew that you know when you were getting dressed you know you were putting on a suit of armor you weren't putting on a you know a set of hockey gear because those games were you know they were brutal and violent and and nasty and uh, you know they like I said they were, they were the funnest games to play and especially you know Saturday night hockey night in Canada Battle of Alberta you know it doesn't get much better than that. Well, I, I love the way you put that, and, and that's an excellent transition into something else I want to ask you about. You, you used the words brutal, violent, and nasty. And hockey has, has changed, but it, it's still a very physical game, and it is still often a big man's game. Uh, you weren't the biggest player on the ice when you played, and the Oilers have brought up a guy from the farm, Kyler Yamamoto, who definitely is is not the biggest man on the ice. Do you think his journey as a smaller player is going to share possibly any parallels to yours? I mean, I know you you still cheer for the guys who might be, uh, you know, are a little smaller in, in stature. How, how do you see the journey of a guy like that compared to yours? Well, I think the game is made and built for, you know, small, skilled, fast, shifty guys. You know, they took the red line out. And then they obviously, you know, took all the hooking and holding and grabbing and slashing and all those uh, penalties. So, you know, uh, from what I, I haven't seen him play a whole lot, but from what I understand, you know, he's, you know, in that Johnny Gaudreau sort of uh, characterization, but maybe he's a little bit tougher than Johnny. And, you know, I think any small guy, in the league now, he shows uh, that he's not afraid and he's not afraid to get his nose dirty. You know, there's an opportunity for him to have a really long career. You know, I think probably uh, the most successful sort of small guy right now is a guy in Tampa Bay, that Braden Point, who, you know, played Moose Jaw. And, you know, I've seen him play a lot. And, you know, he has a, a little bit of edge to him. And, uh, and I think you know, the way that the league uh, and the game is played right now, that, uh, you know, if you're a smaller guy and you have a little bit of edge to your game, you can have an enormous amount of success. Well, I like how you put that about point, and, and I think Yamamoto plays with a little bit of a, a chip on his shoulder too, where he's reached that point that at some point in his life he said to said to himself go ahead tell me i'm small right and i'll show you what i mean and you, and you obviously you obviously developed that as well yeah but I, I didn't think of myself as a small player i just thought of myself as a hockey player and you know last time i checked uh you know there wasn't anything in my contract that said that you know i wasn't allowed to hit i wasn't allowed to use my stick you know these kind of things and so you know, um, I developed a, a really sort of uh, different style for a small player. And uh, I remember, uh, I can't remember if it was the Hockey News or some magazine like that. You know, I actually, uh, one year, 
was in the top 10 as a power forward in the NHL at five foot six, 150 pounds. So <laughs> that's quite comical. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, you, you played did, that way. But I did play that. I did play that style of game. And so, you know, it, it's the biggest reason why I had success in the league. You know, I think as a small player, you know, you come in as a skilled guy, there's a lot of hype around you. you. You can score goals. You can make plays. But what's going to set you apart? How do you get room on the ice to do what you do? And, and, and you need to have an edge where, you know, you're sort of unpredictable uh, as to, you know, the guys that you're playing against. You don't need to know you're unpredictable. That, yeah, you can throw a, a good solid hit here and there, and you have to be aware of, you know, when I'm on the ice uh, in a physical aspect, not only an offensive aspect, but, uh, you know. And, and what I always tell young guys, uh, you know, whether that's junior A guys or AAA midget guys or, or guys that play in the Western Hockey League, I said, you want to get more ice time? I said, learn how to play the game, the whole entire game. So, you know, learn how to take faceoffs, learn how to kill penalties, learn how to play in the power play. Learn how to play in the last minute of the game. Uh, you know, those type of things. And the better you get at the all-around game, <clears throat> the more ice time you're going to get. And so, you know, for Yamamoto, he's fast. He should be a great penalty killer, you know. And so those are the type of things that are going to keep you in the league a long time is if you learn, you know, not only how to – you already know how to play with the puck – you know, learn how to play without the puck, you know. And, and I think that's the biggest reason why the Flames have been so inconsistent is they, they are not a very good defensive team. And, uh, you know, they don't do the little things well. And uh, they don't get pucks out at the blue line. They don't get pucks in when they need to. And, uh, you know, it's amazing. Like, when the game's close, you know, and you're up by a goal, you don't need another goal to win. You know, you just need to play good, solid, smart hockey. And, and a lot of times, you know, I see the Flames want to play this run-and-gun style. And, you know, last year they were completely exposed because the whole entire year they played this run-and-gun uh, show. And, and they met a team that was more skilled and more balanced than they were. And in, in the end, ultimately got better goaltending, although you, I don't think you could have played better than Mike Smith did last year in the playoffs. But... You know, I don't see enough teams now, you know, concentrating on doing the little things it takes to, you know, and ultimately, uh, you know, transfer that game to the, you know, to the Stanley Cup playoffs. Because at the end of the year, the two he- the two heaviest teams, St. Louis and Boston, made it to the Stanley Cup finals. And what are they good at? They were good at the little things. And they were good at, you know the last minute of periods and they got pucks in, they got pucks out, you know? And, and so, you know, I don't see enough teams, you know, with that mentality. And, you know, I know probably the hardest thing to, to do as a coach in the national hockey league is get your guys to play without the puck because, you know, it's all about offense and it's all about stick between the legs, you know, on breakaways and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, that stuff's not going to win in the playoffs. Well, I, I love how you you put that. And for the Oilers all summer long and through the season, Dave Tippett has talked about goal prevention. Now, goaltending's a big part of that. And you mentioned Mike Smith, and he's been excellent on this road trip here for the Oilers. But 
you know, we talked about the Oilers not having enough depth scoring and, and who's going to step up, and some guys have, but everything Tippett emphasized over the summer through training camp through the season, it's it's been goal prevention. That's been his number one. So it, it sounds like you're you're totally on board with that. Well, and, and, and if your top guys don't play that way, then nobody else is going to play that way. So, you know, your bottom six is not, you know, going to go out and pay attention to detail when they watch, you know, Dreisaitl and and McDavid out there turning pucks over all night. Same with in Calgary when Goudreau and Monahan do it, you know. You can just see the whole entire team just kind of falls into that mode where, you know, nobody really cares about, you know, the goaltender on the, on your end. And, uh, you know, Cam Talbot last night, another 42 shots, and they were lucky to win the game, 2-1. to one. Well, going to be a good showdown tomorrow. Theo, I, I, I always enjoy getting uh, your memories of as a player and uh, your perspective on what's going on now in the NHL. Of course, I want to ask you some of the things you're up to. You've spent so much of, uh, of your life now helping other people in various ways. Uh, tell us what's going on in Kelowna for you this weekend. So I'm going to do a speaking engagement on behalf of the Burn Fund up there for the firefighters. So... Um, and I guess how that sort of correlates with what I do is, you know, I, I know that a lot of, you know, first responders, EMS, police, fire, you know, these guys, uh, you know, they witness trauma, you know, every day of their life. And a lot of them, um, you know, maybe towards the end of their career or maybe even at the beginning of their career suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder. And, uh, you know, I, I spent the majority of my life with PTSD and and uh, I know how debilitating it is and I know how difficult it is to live with um, post-traumatic stress disorder. And so, you know, I was lucky to find a, a couple of really good therapists who were trained in, in helping people with PTSD and, and I was allowed to overcome it. And so, you know, tomorrow will be, you know, a lot of my speech will be geared around, you know, talking about my experience with post-traumatic stress disorder and how to overcome it. Theo, good for you for doing that. Enjoy the experience. Thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. Say hi to Brownie for me. Will do. That is Theo Fleury checking in tonight. Always interesting to hear him talk, doing some good work in Kelowna tomorrow. Uh, good perspective on the current NHL and the Flames and the Oilers and hopefully a lot more battle in the Oilers tomorrow when they take on the Calgary Flames than what we saw December 27th. That was the last time the Oilers lost in regulation time. drummer and a lyricist for this all-time great Canadian band. Thanks a lot for starting your weekend with Inside Sports coming up to 7 o'clock. We'll keep the fun rolling between 7 and 8. Talk a little bit about quick card Edmonton Minor Hockey Week that is underway. Free footy. Tim Adams is the founder and director of that. He's doing such great work. We want to update you on uh, an initiative that they have going and how you can help out. And I'm really looking forward 
to uh, 7.30 to 8 o'clock tonight. Former U of A Golden Bears basketball coach Don Horwood will check in from uh, Victoria. His all-time wins record in Canada West was eclipsed last night by Kevin Hansen from UBC. It'll be uh, good to catch up with Don. All right, we're going to get to something pretty fun here. Last night, Pecorine scored a goal for the Nashville Predators, shot the puck the length of the ice into the empty net against the Chicago Blackhawks. Doesn't happen that often. So uh, Dave Campbell, the producer of this show, put together this uh, this awesome piece here featuring goals scored, whether they got credit for it or shot it in, goals scored by NHL goaltenders. On November 28, 1979, he became the first NHL goaltender credited with scoring a goal. With the delayed penalty call and the Colorado goalie off the ice, he was the last Islander to touch the puck before it was accidentally sent into the Rockies' net. Bruins come back, flip it from their side of center in on the Hextall. He blocks, looks to shoot it to the open net. He has scored! Von Hextall has become the first player in the history of the National Hockey League, the first goaltender to actually score a goal. Hextall stops oh, it. Flip look out. Down the ice. He's got a chance. It? He's got a chance. He's got yeah. it! Yes, sir. The first time ever it's happened in the playoffs. Ron Hextall. seconds to play now. Crawford goes to the bench again. 
And Rene takes a long elevated shot, bouncing, and he scores! <laughs> Pekka Rene scores into the empty net. Predators with a 5-2 lead. Pekka Rene becomes the second Predators goaltender in team history to score a goal. That is awesome. Dave Cavill putting that together. Uh, the look back at goaltender goals in the National Hockey League. And yes, current goaltender for the Oilers, Mike Smith, did score one when he played for the Coyotes. 6.30 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.